Welcome to the Fit Archer Podcast, my friends. I am your host, J.P. Penscover. In episode 19, I have a conversation with my just dear, dear friend, Brandon LaRue. And we don't really go a whole lot into the outdoors or archery or anything like that, but if there's a if there is a fit archer that's out there, Brandon LaRue fits the mold. He is spiritually fit. He is physically fit. And he is a great archer. And we have a phenomenal conversation of all his his fitness platforms he's got, everything he's done. I think you're going to love the episode. He is an absolutely stellar, stellar human being. There are so many takeaways to be a better individual, better husband, better father, better community member in this episode with Brandon LaRue. And and uh, we ended with, uh, he's got to go feed his daughter. His wife was out of town, so he had to run and we go feed his daughter. So part two, the LaRue family and the Penscover family will be together in a couple weeks in Colorado on a family vacation. And we are going to do part two where we talk about some hunting and, and that kind of stuff. But I wanted this guy to be known to all my listeners because he's an incredible individual to follow. He'll bring light into your life and some enjoyment into your life like he does mine. So God bless each and every one of you that are out there. I know America's in some perilous, wacky, wacky times. And the best thing that we can all do is be a light in a dark world. And so share love, spread love, be love, be a light everywhere you can, whether that's social media, in your family, in the community, every arena that you get a chance to interact with somebody, just be a good positive light. And let's overcome the evil that's that's trying to take America from us. I want to thank my good friend, Patrick Wright at Numa Productions for always providing incredible podcast equipment. I say this all the time. If you have any podcast needs, whatever it is, just questions, reach out to Numa Productions, my buddy Patrick, and he can get you on the right track. I actually rent his podcast equipment from him um, as I do my podcast. So I just, I contact him and he, uh, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. He delivers me the podcast equipment, showed me how to set it up. And then he edits for me if I got any edits or anything I need. And that's how I do this thing. So it's been a great, great service that he provides. And he did it because podcasting is uh, very popular now, and it's a great way to get people's voice out. So I hope you're enjoying the, the Fit Archer podcast. If you would, give us a, a review. I'd love to get some more reviews going and give us a five-star rating if you're having any fun. Give us a one-star rating if you're not liking it. Tell me what you're looking for. Get on the Apple download or the Apple podcast platform and give us a, a review. Tell us what you want what you're looking for. And and our goal is to always just bring positive, uplifting, good speakers and guests. And uh, we're also on YouTube and Fit Archer uh, YouTube. If uh, any that I can do by Zoom, we did this one by Zoom. And uh, I'll load it up on there so you can see Brandon's uh, busted out biceps on there as well. So God bless you all. Look forward to uh, the next episode. But 19 was a doozy. You are listening to the Fit Archer Podcast. All hunting, all fitness, all the time. Mr. Brandon LaRue. What's going on, my buddy? What's up, JP? Well, thanks for jumping on the Fit Archer Podcast. It is an honor to be here. You fit the bill. You fit the bill. You are fit. You're an archer. I think you got all the right arrows now. I think you're shooting all uniform 12 yeah. of the same arrows, aren't you? Yeah. I, I was going to say, I don't know if I've earned the title of archer yet. Maybe flinger. Flinger. The fit flinger. The fit flinger. Hey, we'll take it. You're an archer, man. You're just an outdoorsman. You're a fishing fool right now. 
I am. I am. And uh, I actually have your old, what is it, a Jennings bow fishing setup? Jennings Unistar. Is it right by you? I go grab it. Go grab it. Go within gra- 15 feet of me. Go get it. All right, hang on. Hang on. A little slow, a little slow over there. Yeah. Oh, did you hear me yell that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, I thought I muted out. Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> so I, this is one of my. This would have been like my second bow. My uncle had this. This is an old contraption. When Brandon comes back on, we're on YouTube, everybody on the Fit Archer YouTube channel. So you're going to be able to see it. See a little bit of Brandon's. Uh, workout space, see his bulging biceps. He He's making sure he's showing and he's going to grab the bow. Yeah, so I saw a picture of him the other day and he was on on Facebook shooting carp. And I'm like, dang, he's got a Jennings Unistar. And then I talked to my brother. My brother's like, yeah, I saw Brandon and gave him your Jennings Unistar to go shoot carp. You didn't leave me, oh did God. you? No, this... Uh, <laughs> I don't have a case for this, so like... Um, the uh, old the string that's attached to the arrow is a little all over the place. Yeah, so maybe I won't grab it. That's fine. <laughs> I wanted to show somebody what it looked like because it's uh, that's a unique that's a unique setup. Oh, Making me a little kid. nervous now, Brandon. What my uh, what my no, bow, it, what my bow looks like. It's fine, but you know how that uh, the string comes out of there sometimes. Yeah. Well, just let the string pull. Just pull the string out and just walk the bow over. If you got 15 feet of string on there, you're all right. <laughs> I totally could do that. Here, just give me a little more. You edit these, right? So you can just... Nah, people can hear this. Oh, this is the awesome. Fit Archer. I don't need to be all fancy and edit. I'm not trying to be a. am not trying to be Joe Rogan or anything like that. I just love having good conversations with good people. Yeah. We've had some great okay. guests on here. I don't know if you've listened to any of them yet. I've, I see them. I try to keep up with it. And then I tell myself, oh, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that. Oh, my gosh. This is just here. I'll show you what I got going on over here. This, this would be good content. <laughs> oh, my great. goodness. I'm nervous. <laughs> Do you have a rat's nest on the, the carp shooting bow? <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you're in a hurry, how does that work out? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I had I had them sitting on top of one another because that's kind of how Brandon just gave them to me. I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. So a good way to do it is when you're done, you reel them all the way up, and then yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I had it that way. But I got kids that are in my garage all the time. So hold that bow up. Look at that old contraption. That's a Jennings Unistar. That thing probably weighs about nine pounds. Look at double wheels, and it's got a big contraption right in the middle. That thing is wild. You killed some carp with it too, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Old bullfin got me a bullfin. That was the the first kill for Brandon. What was a bullfin? Yeah. What's that? Dogfish. Oh. I've never heard him called a bowfin. Well, I like to sound smart. I call it by its actual name. Bowfin. You shoot any gar yet? Kind of like when you call it a skipjack. I call it a moon eye. <laughs> Rough fish. That's what I call them. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. So I wanted Brandon on in, you know, obviously this is called the Fit Archer, and I love fitness is one of my passions. I really enjoy it. You probably won't find somebody more passionate about fitness than my guest on here today. And uh, we've developed a really great relationship, really unique how we met. Um, but you're doing some really, really amazing things in, in the world of fitness, ath- athletics, and young athletics in general. And we'll get talking about all that stuff. But let's just go back and tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody who you are and, and uh, where you grew up, what, what makes you tick from the fitness standpoint. You're, you're an avid outdoorsman. I mean, everybody is jealous of your Facebook page because you're either on the Sea Eagle in your fishing boat or you're out turkey hunting. And I know you're dragging your kids along as an excuse to be able to go all the time. I'm a dad. I know how this works. So you're getting a lot of time to go fishing. So. Meanwhile, everyone's going Sea Eagle. Yeah, but I found one. I found a sea eagle just like yours for six twenty-five. That's actually a good deal. You know, we should probably become affiliates of Sea Eagle before we launch this thing because we, there's probably some commissions to be. There could be some, yeah. If you go to um, Sea Eagle uh, Fit Archer uh, twenty twenty yeah. for a ten percent discount on the Sea Eagle <laughs> forward slash forward slash hashtag JP Fit Archer. Um, so okay, I. Uh, well, I am a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. So I've been married for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in October to my, my beautiful bride, Jenny. And I got three kids. Brooks, my son, is seven. And Livia is almost five. And my, daughter, my first daughter, my second daughter, Brady, is almost two. So um, love being a husband and a father. And I grew up in – I live in La Crescent, Minnesota, which is the southeast corner of Minnesota. If you're not familiar with southeast Minnesota, it's like, it's like, uh, it's an outdoorsman's paradise. Um, and so, if you're from out west or other parts of the country, it's it's a beautiful place. And if you ever want to hunt and fish, it's it's a great place to do that. So I grew up here and was was an athlete and kind of a jock growing up. But my dad, my dad um, and my grandpa just were avid outdoorsmen. They did, they did a little bit of everything. They were kind of a jack of all trades, master of none when it, when it came to hunting. Um, so my dad um, was a bow hunter, a pretty hardcore bow hunter before bow hunting was popular. And this was like late seventies, early eighties. And, um, and they pheasant hunted and they duck hunted and they trapped and they um, turkey hunted, they grouse hunted, they squirrel hunted. So probably similar to you, JP, growing up, like just a little bit of everything. And uh, I just loved all of it. And so, um, so I grew up here, left here to go to college. And then I was up in the Twin Cities metro area for a good, you know, um, probably last 18 years, I was either in Mankato or the, the Twin Cities area. So I was away from southeastern Minnesota. Of course, I visited and stuff like that. I came back to bow hunt in the fall, but I've been largely been away from it. And there were just visits back. And now I'm back and I am savoring like I've I've missed it. And I'm so grateful that I got away. I'm really grateful that I got away and just got a uh a greater perspective than just small town, La Crescent, Minnesota. Um, and, and, and built relationships far and wide and, and saw a lot of the world through business ventures. And um, so I'm able to take that broadened 
perspective and, and, and leadership and personal growth that I've gone on the last decade of my life and bring it back to a smaller town. And I think it's just really equipping me to do something special here for, um, for kids, for, uh, adults. Yeah. And then, then I get to hunt and fish a lot. While I'm here. <laughs> you really do live in the Mecca for just being an outdoorsman. You said we, we grew up so similar. My dad did everything. I mean, pheasant hunted, grouse hunted, squirrel hunted, deer hunted. We ice fished when, and then when we were done ice fishing, we would rabbit hunt and then we would fish in the summer. I mean, we did everything and man, it it's, you just get so it's, it's different for where I live now. I say this on every podcast when I talk to somebody, it's different where we live now. You just don't get to do that. And I, I see my kids not getting, it's not in their blood the way it still is with me. Like I'm watching Brooksy just die hard fishing. We just don't have that ability to go fishing as often, you know, because it's a, it's not just 10 minutes down the road or, you know, jumping my bike and head down one mile and I'm yep. on the lake fishing and throwing now. But if you've noticed, <clears throat> I've been hopping my fence, you know, we moved to a new place and I mm-hmm. hop my fence and, and we're on a golf course in their ponds. So I've been, Ooh. I've been going out there every night fishing. I, I didn't go last night. I've been going out every night. I had a big one on the other night. I don't know if it was a catfish large mouth or what there's large mouth in it. I've been catching little bitty dinky large mouth, but you're not supposed to fish in them, but there's a couple people that do. And I'm like, it's just such a great stress reliever for me to run out there and oh, yeah. throw a spin. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Arrest you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Nowadays, Who knows in today's know. society? You never know nowadays. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Well, you went to, so you graduated high school. You were a phenomenal athlete, uh, multi-sport athlete. Very good. You went to college, played sports, and kind of picked me up there. Tell me kind of how your, where your sporting endeavors took you, because it kind of took you on a neat path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I was blessed with a lot of athleticism, pr- more than I probably knew. Um, and uh, I was an underachiever, in other words. <laughs> um, just because priorities in my life, I just got mixed up. Um, I, I was a pretty straight and narrow kid in, in high school. I was all about sports and um and sports were really fun for me. And, and when you're having fun, this is kind of what I try to coach and foster with kids is, is try to get them to have fun so they can perform. You can't perform when you're not having fun. It's just, it's just wired that way, you know? And when I got to college, um, I walked on, I was, I was pretty, um, I was a very recruitable kid out of high school. Although, Interestingly, I lived with my grandparents going into my summer of my senior year and my senior year. My dad had um, got laid off and had to take a new job. And my brother and him um, moved to Waseca because he got a job at Hormel, which is in Austin, Minnesota. Spam! Spam USA! And so I didn't have a whole lot of guidance. Uh, I you know, I got recruited by Ivy league schools. I was getting re- recruiting letters from like Boise state to go play football NDSU to go play football. Um, I was getting some for baseball, more Juco junior college baseball. And now I was getting some for D two wrestling and I'm all this stuff's coming in and getting phone calls. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them back. Um, I didn't know how to, I didn't know I had to correspond with these people. 
And I didn't have anyone telling me or helping me. I just didn't have it. My grandpa at the time was in his mid sixties, probably quit playing sports when he was 15. He didn't know how to navigate that. So I, I just assumed that if I was going to get a scholarship that they would just mail it to you, like, Hey, we'd like to offer you a full scholarship. (laughs) It's not how it works. You know, like you have to course, you have to show interest, you build a relationship and you know, that recruiting process. I, I dropped the ball on that. I didn't know any better. And so I ended up my senior year in the spring, not had, I had no idea where I was going to go to school. And, uh, a, m- my best friend at the time, and still one of my very best friends, um, Eric Larson, I asked him one day, I'll never forget. It. He goes, Hey, do you know where you're going to school? I go, uh, no, I don't. He goes, I think I'm going to go to Mankato. And I'm like, Hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I went to their website, saw they had a baseball team. That was a pretty good baseball team. And they had a football team. I'm like, yeah, I think I'll do that. That's how I made my decision to go to That's college. Crazy. So I ended up walking on to their football team um, in the fall and uh, redshirted like most incoming freshmen do um, as a quarterback. I wanted to play quarterback. And, um, and then the second year, so I played a lot of scout team, you know, like as a, as a red shirt and I just loved it. I mean, it was like Friday night lights for me. I was, let's go. I was the guy on special teams busting the wedge. You know, I was, you were the Mankato Rudy. I was, I was, you know, it was because like, what, I mean, I wanted to have some fun Yeah. and, and, and you got to compete and show that you got some grit and you want to play. And so I was just doing those things. And uh, one thing, you know, I, very few people are going to outwork me. You know, that's just, that's one way I've found success is just outworking people. And so there were, it was pretty apparent to me um, that coach ended up retiring. A new coach was going to come in and he wanted to make me a strong safety because I played scout team defense all the time. And they liked how I played defense. And I'm like, nah, I want to be a quarterback. And anyways, that, that journey was short because, um, that spring, I walked out, walked onto the baseball team and I earned the varsity starting catcher position, which, you know, like that doesn't happen very often with a, you know, division two powerhouse program like that. You just walk on and you win the starting job. So I, I earned that. And then the, the second year I had a good, pretty, I had a pretty good freshman year. I could have done better, but, um, uh, that second year going back out for football in two a days, wasn't very getting many, very many reps behind under the center. And I was getting frustrated because I'm like, I felt like I was every bit as good as the number one guy. And I was here, I am in fourth on the depth chart and I'm not getting any reps. And I'm just like, this is stupid. I went and talked to my coach and just said, Hey, um, our summer baseball team made it to the state tournament. Um, I play a big role in the team. I'm the starting catcher. I, you know, I'm one of the, whatever I'm a, big contributor. And I'd like to miss a practice or two to make the state tournament. And he said, no. And I was like, what do you mean? No, I'm not, I'm not getting any reps right now anyways, you know? And he said, well, if I let you do that, I got let other people do this. And I'm like, okay. So I went back to my cot in two a day camp and I just kind of packed up my stuff and I'm like, okay, football, I guess we're done. And, uh, I've just pursued baseball from there on out and had a pretty good run. Um, but like I was saying, as an underachiever, 
Um, I just got caught up in the wrong things, JP. You know, we've talked a lot about this in my college years, your college years. I just, I partied way too much. Um, my priorities were mixed up and I, and while I certainly practiced hard and in the weight room, I was always there working hard, very, very boisterous leader in the dugout on the field, but off the field, I, I didn't do the little things and it, and it cost me uh, for a long time. I ended up getting cut after my second year. I was a two year starter, went from number one to getting cut. And, uh, that hurt, man. Um, I could have transferred to other places to play, but I ended up hanging it up and really quitting for the first time in my life, which it rocked my world. Cause it was my identity was in sports. Um, so I was lost. I just kind of partied harder, chased more girls. And, um, but as I've grown up, I've, I've accepted my responsibility for getting cut. Um, I know there's still some really weird things of why I got cut. Didn't make all, it still doesn't make sense, but I have to own, you know, part of that as just, I wasn't doing the little things right. Um, but so met a lot of great people. Um, Really, really cut my athletic career short. Um, there was definitely some life left in, left in this arm, let's just say. And uh, but I met my wife shortly thereafter. So God is good. He uh, turned, you know, um, some poor decision making and stuff on my end and turned it for good. Led me to my beautiful bride. So, you know, there's so much teaching lesson in that for young athletes. I mean, if you, if you just, and you're doing this, I mean, you're doing such a good job of getting a hold of young athletes now and, and getting them on the right track. And, and hopefully what you're teaching them is going to, you know, stay with them through they get into those high school years. That is such a pivotal time. I think of it all the time on my own journey. <clears throat> you know, I wasn't the athlete that you were, but if, if I could just... I can, and I tell my kids this all the time, if I could go do it over again, I'd be an A student and nobody would outwork me. And, and I outworked pretty much everybody on, in, that I competed against anyway. I was up and working out before school, um, you know, because there's the only time you could work out and then we did sports, but I didn't really give it what, it what it had because you never know this as a young athlete that when it's over, it's over. And then you're this disgruntled get 45 year old guy like I am thinking I can still do it. Now I can't like, you know, now I'm on a baseball field with 15 year olds that can outplay me hands down and beat me in races and jumps <laughs> and everything else that you just, when you're there, you don't ever think it's going to end. You don't think mm-hmm. it's ever going to end. And you just, you can party and chase girls and still just skate by, but it just yeah. doesn't work that way, man. And, and I mean, you, but like you said, God is good. But if you can now take your experiences like you are, what you did, and help another younger kid, you know, one day they're going to be on a podcast somewhere. I could be bald and gray and, you know, or bald, no hair, and interview an athlete that you had your hand on that's maybe playing in, uh, you know, professional sports one day. I, I, I yeah. really believe that'll be the truth. I do too. And, and it might not even be professional sports as so much as just teaching them how to be good, good people, good adults, good leaders. Um, and like, there's just a couple just this past week. So we're three weeks into our summer program with these athletes and, and they're working hard. I mean, probably harder than they've ever worked in their life. And, and that's just, 
something this town needs. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And uh, so there's so many lessons to teach these kids and we don't have enough time to always just sit them down and talk lessons. But we, you know, like for example, the other day there was this, you know, I mean, these are 13, 14 year old kids. So they're clicky, you know, and going through that weird stage of life. So I get it. Um, but there's these four or five kids and we really stress language. Like you can't, you can't be cussing in that weight room, you know, like it is just not allowed. And there was this one kid, <clears throat> they were done with their session. So they were outside and I was outside just giving them a hard time, you know, whatever, just shooting the breeze with them, tell them they need to go eat, go eat their face off. Cause they're all skin and bones. And, uh, and I heard one kid drop the F bomb, you know, and he, and he caught him, he, he said it, but then he was like, you know, coach is out here. And I pointed at him and he goes, ah, it's outside of the session. Doesn't matter. And I was just like, try again, you know? And he was, and he, and I kind of just said, that's, that's the crap that needs to leave. That's the stuff that needs to leave this community. I'm, I know, I realize you're going to slip from time to time, but that crap, that attitude, eh, it doesn't matter. We're not in the session anymore. I said, that's the loser attitude that LaCrescent has. And they, and then they were kind of like, you know, puckered up a little bit. And then as I turned my head, he rolled his eyes at me. I'm like, and I pointed at him again. I'm like, tomorrow. That's all I said. I said, tomorrow. And then they left. And then and the next day we had a great teachable moment. You know, um, I got to learn to bite my tongue. So I was biting my tongue on, on some things I wanted to say. So it gave me a day to kind of, and, uh, so that day after they were done with their session, they were, they're about to leave. And I said, you, 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 you're with me. And we went into the arena and we got to have a good teachable moment about these are the popular kids. Okay. These are the, the athletes that are better than, than the other kids. They're the, the popular kids, you know? Um, and I just helped them understand that the, the influence they have. I said, look, you guys don't understand how influential and how, how powerful your words and your leadership is right now. I said, you have, <clears throat> you have the power to be a really good leader for the other kids in there, or you can be a, a poor one. It's one or the other. Right now, you're not being a good one. I said, there's some kids in there that really look up to you because you are athletic, because you are popular, because you know, those are things that really matter at your age. And I'm like, I said, imagine if you were encouraging, you guys weren't just keeping to yourselves, telling your little jokes and kind of snarky at other kids. What if you were to go to that kid, the unathletic kid, the kid that has a trouble that struggles with everything. And you just said, Hey, nice job. I see you working in here and getting better. Nice job. That's all you got to say to them. Do you know you could change their life? And they were just kind of like, I'm like, I'm telling you, I've made these mistakes. Don't make them. Now go run. <laughs> I figured you were going to. I figured it was in the arena was a wrestling mat first. I thought you can go takedowns with no. them for a little bit. You wanted to though. <laughs> oh, it's a hockey arena, so <clears throat> I, there's no ice. So these ran 300 yard shuttles until they about puked. But wow. um, but that was a lesson. And then uh, the other, the next day. You know, we got two eyes in there, two really good eyes. Araya Hayes, who played in the NHL. I mean, 
better athlete than um, I've ever, I ever was. And he's in there like a, like a chicken hawk. We're both in there kind of like, you know, and one kid, you know, if you're shaving reps, you're busted. I mean, we're on it. And this kid wasn't good at pull-ups or chin-ups we were doing the other day. And, and he would, we were doing sled pushes, which he was good at and chin-ups, which he wasn't good at. And he skipped four out of the five sets. And we just, we let it, we let it go, you know, during the session said, okay. And Orion, I kind of had a discussion, like, I got this one. And he gets the next one. I got this one. He gets the next one. And just as this kid's going out to go to a different practice, I said, you're not going anywhere. Come here. <laughs> and just have those conversations, man. I, I, like you said, JP, I think they, they have the, the chance to, to, it seems so simple, like cheating on chin-ups, but that's an integrity and a character issue. And if it's not addressed, cheating on chin-ups can become cheating on a test, cheating on, it's just cheating in life. And, you know, and just, I just have a conversation and he lied to me and I said, you got a chance to correct. You lied to me right there. You have a chance to tell me the truth. And then he told me the truth and he started crying a little bit, you know, and, and we got to the root of it. He was embarrassed because he's not good at it. I'm like, newsflash, how do you get good at anything by sucking at it in the beginning? You know, like, so, um, I know that kind of got long winded, but it, I just feel like, I feel like I'm in the right spot to have these conversations with these kids. And, and in a few years time, I hope, you know, I hope that what we're doing over there transfers, not only just to more wins athletically in this, in this town, but just kids, it's a, you know, it's a toxic culture. You know, it's like every six months kid kills himself around here. And it's like, because there's bullying and there's kids are mean to each other. And it's just like, you know, and, and you take that one step further, you got to look at the next generation up. That's the parents. What's going on there. Right. Well, here's what's going on there. <clears throat> A coach didn't have those parents. They didn't say to those parents exactly what you just said to those kids. If, what I'm saying is the kid who said the swear word said, well, we're out of session. What mom and dad's probably doing the same thing. Right. You know, and, and no coach ever grabbed them at one time and corrected it. You know, mm -hmm. we're left to ourselves. We're a disaster left to our own imagination. Boys, young girls, we're a disaster. We're yeah. very few are going to go down the right path. I mean, I just, we, we live in a very evil, dark world where we naturally sin is easier. Being mm -hmm. good and righteous is always harder because it takes discipline. Mm -hmm. It takes being uncomfortable. I love what you're doing. I mean, it just, it, my mind is just racing of I'm not doing enough. That's literally what I'm thinking right now. Like I'm not doing enough for the young athletes, for the young kids. That's why I love, I mean, coaching, you're coaching. That's why I love coaching is, you know, I get to in the, I'm just not doing it right now. So now I'm thinking like, I'm not doing enough. You're making me feel bad about myself here, but. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm yeah. well, well, to make you feel better, JP, if it wasn't for you in my life, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Well, so you've coached me. That uh, make me feel better. Make me feel better about myself now. Well, let's there go down go. that. Let's, uh, but you are, and we'll talk about what you're doing from the well-built humans, from the no athlete left behind. We'll talk about all that, but let's catch up. Graduating college, you get out of college, you meet Jenny. Then, then where do you go? Where does your, where does your passion of fitness really takes you somewhere? Well, so I, um, I was originally going to go to, for physical therapy school and, um, 
I, uh, I didn't get in the first time around. So I got put on waiting lists for the next admissions time frame, And I, I think this is another way of God looking out for me and saying, nah, you don't want to be there, dude. You, that's not where I want you. And so I ended up in, in personal training. So I ended up to pay the bills, right? <laughs> when, when school's over, man, that you got a six month grace period. And then all of a sudden, man, here comes the bills. So I, uh, I started personal training in, um, in the twin cities. Uh, before that I was actually, I was driving Coca-Cola truck <laughs> trying to get my CDL failed that bad boy. Oh, a couple times. But again, that's why Jenny always I mean, drives everywhere you go. Jenny drives. She'd <laughs> no, have passed actually, that CDL. <laughs> probably would have. I'm, I'm, I'm a very good driver. I really am. Um, I've, I've never even had a ticket outside of a underage drinking ticket and driving ticket, which was anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, but I, uh, I think uh, I was a, flawless. I mean, I drove all summer long for Coca-Cola and then I had these tests and, um, but anyways, I ended up failing. I won't bore you with all the details, even though they're kind of funny. Uh, then I was, I was looking for other jobs while I was doing that. I was just a means to the next job. And I ended up getting a personal training job in the twin cities. Cause when I was working for Coca-Cola, that was actually in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And that's where I met Clinton Helgett. Uh, I didn't know Clinton from anybody he just was he was the owner of this personal training studio i got the job so i started personal training just general population um you know and you know not athletes and i i trained thousands and thousands and thousands of sessions um ended up becoming the manager of that studio for three years and um learned great great skills just how to talk to people really um, interpersonal skills, how to have tough conversations with people. Um, I guess consultative selling would be another skill that I learned there, just how to have good relationships with people and then, you know, sell them the solution that, that really that they need, you know? And, uh, um, but after that, I kind of hit a glass, you know, I kind of hit that ceiling where there was just nothing, there's no room for more growth there. And, wanted to get back into working with athletes. So um, I ended up getting a job with the, with the Cubs, Chicago Cubs in, in baseball as a strength coach. Um, so I ended up there as a minor league strength coach. I was their class A advanced um, strength coach. I was in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I thought that was going to be, you know, just like my dream job. And uh, it wasn't, although I, I really enjoyed the experience. I cherished the experience. And it just, um, in that stage of my life was really hard. I had just gotten married. Um, and it just, um, where I was at with my, I didn't have faith at that point in my life. I was still very worldly and, um, I was on a personal development journey and I was committed to, to my bride, but I was still very green. I was still very, you know, like you said before, left to ourselves. We are very sinful in nature. And I, being away in a long distance, because they wanted me in Florida the next year. And I was just like, man, this is, this is not a good recipe for me if I, if I live this far away from my wife. And so I ended up saying no to that. But in that first season, though, I got <clears> – <throat> so this is how we met, JP. I, um, 
you know, just in the supplement world, I got introduced to a brand of products that I, that I, that I liked. I liked what it was about. Um, they were safe for athletes. So I started taking them just for myself, found out you could earn income with it. And, uh, and it was a direct selling company. So you, you couldn't just buy it from the store. You had to contact somebody. Well, guess who that somebody was? <laughs> it was the fit archer. Yeah. JP. So one day I, I get this email. So I'm, I'm involved in, and I never really, I don't ever talk about this on my podcast, the fit archer. I'm a nutrition nut. I love it. I love yeah. supplements. I have been on supplements since 1993 when I graduated college and there's never a day that I go without them. I'm, I'm a firm believer in taking supplementation. I mean, I eat really good. I just posted something on my Instagram. There's this 28 day challenge going out where it says, Hey, for 28 days, challenge yourself not to eat ice cream, drink soda, eat chips, blah, 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 this and that. And then challenge somebody else. I'm like, isn't that just what we're supposed to do? Like, <laughs> I mean, I eat really good. Like I've, I've been on a really, really great stretch for a long time of eating really good. But even in that, I, I just think supplements are absolutely necessary. You know, our drink that we drink now, Zeal, I don't get any of that stuff. I mean, I have a huge salad every day, fresh organic salad every day for lunch topped with, you know, I'm going to start topping with my moose meat, but usually topped with chicken or steak. And, but even in all those ingredients, I don't get everything that's in just that all-in-one nutrition drink. I mean, so I'm a believer and I get this email. So I'm in the business, you know, I, I have a nutrition business and it's in the direct sales industry. And of course, you're always trying to recruit good people and good people. And I get this email. Hey, my name is Brandon LaRue. I'm a strength coach for the Chicago Cubs. And I'd like to ask you some questions about your supplements. And I'm like, what? Like, this is incredible. And I ended up calling you. I remember exactly where I was. I was leaving Derek Toshner's house. Did it, was doing a nutritional mixer at his house. And I'm leaving is the first day I just had gotten a phone where I could accept emails. I don't remember if you'll remember this, but it was a BlackBerry. Yep. And I called you and you, you know, we talked and we had a nice little conversation. Then you emailed me again, like the next day. And I called right away and you said, you're like, I just spit all over the microphone. I'm like, you, you said, uh, dang, do you just sit by your email and then call me? I'm like, well, no, I actually have a phone that gets an email. And so I called you on it, but we had a good conversation. That's how our relationship started. I remember coming to yeah. Minnesota, you were back and there was an event we were going to go to. And a good friend of ours named Mike Wade was going to be speaking. And he was a former college football coach and just a man's man kind of guy. And I remember bringing you to that. And then we went out to dinner afterward and mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, Brandon guy's pretty cool. You know, we got a lot in common. Did I had no idea that we had as much in common as we <laughs> like how God works in so many amazing ways. Like yeah. every story yeah. you tell, I'm like, wait a minute, were you with me? Like, yeah. we're, <laughs> how did I not know you when you were in the Crescent? So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Kindred spirits, man. Um, so that was, I mean, that, and then we just have developed a great relation, great friendship first and foremost, but we were in business together for, you know, for a good stretch for good. And we still are, you know, um, and so that's, you know, after baseball, that, that business became kind of, um, where I, where I kind of planted some roots for our family. Cause we, you know, I got, was married and we started having kids and, uh, allowed us a lot of freedom, um, and freedom to an outdoorsman means hunting and fishing, you know? And, um, and I, like you, that was a driver for me was flexibility and time freedom. Um, 
you know, the ability to earn some good income because with that buys you time and, and the ability to earn it um, relatively passively is, is also a perk for an outdoorsman. And so that's why I still pursue those things to this day. Um, because I want, I want time with my family. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just selfishly looking to hunt and fish all the time. Although I love to hunt and fish. <laughs> like it is, I mean, I could that on that little sea eagle. So this, we better explain what the sea eagle is. So sea eagle is, if you just go to, you can Google it, sea eagle. It's a, it's an inflatable pontoon. There's different models, but mine is the fold cat 375. I think it's what it's called. So it folds like into, you know, I don't know, six feet long and I can hold it and it's, it's inflatable. And, um, I, if it's very sturdy, it's very, um, durable. It takes 15 minutes to inflate and I have my son do it while I'm getting everything ready. And then it's got a transom. I got let, I got to just throw on my 52 pound thrust old Minkota that I almost sold. And I'm glad I didn't. And I go buzzing around on these Mississippi backwaters and I could fish from dusk from dawn till dusk and just get completely lost in it and just fish. I, I don't know, man. I just, I've always been that way. Like my grandpa used to take me fishing and he'd be like, do you ever want to stop? And I'm like, no, let's, there's another bend. We got to fish. Like, why would you stop? Well, that sea eagle better make its way to Colorado in a couple of weeks. Jenny keeps saying, are we really going to bring the sea eagle? And I'm like, Jenny, I think, I think JP would be very disappointed if I didn't bring well, the sea eagle. Maybe I should look on Craigslist and see if that one's still available. If it is, maybe I should pick one up. Then we could, you know, boys could go and. Yeah. Yeah. I could have more than one. Well, yeah, if you can, if you can get it, I'm going to bring it. So, um, we'll just get up super I, early and we'll fish from four to seven. Nobody's even going to be awake by the time we get back. Well, yeah. And on that reservoir, the I'm at 4 a.m. to 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Um, but you know, then there's great trout fishing from shore around there too. So we can, you know, yeah. we'll get the kids out and catch we'll, some we'll trout too, but it's going to be good. Hey, uh, going back to the I think this is always a good point you make because so many people are caught up, you know, in, in our world today, sports is, um, there's idolatry in sports. Unlike there is any other, um, yeah. Field, you know what I mean? People idolize athletes. I was thinking of this this morning, you know, we're in a very, very weird time in America today. We won't even get into that. We're just in a really, really weird time. And not everybody that has a platform uses it for good. It's just, it, it's just the way it is. But I mean, you're in there working with athletes and to most guys that love fitness, I would think that being a strength coach of a major league baseball team has got to be the end all be all. Like why in the world would you ever want to leave that? Like kind of what, what's the, why would you ever want to leave that when that was what you were driving? I, for? I think because at that point in my life, um, I still thought that way. I was still very, um, and what I'm, what I mean to all the people that will listen to this worldly is my life before Christ. Okay. I, I saw things differently. And when I found Christ and I was saved, I mean, it, it transformed my heart, transformed how I saw things. 
And so while I was chasing the whole Cubs thing, you know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like my second chance at being something, you know, like athletically. Well, if I couldn't be a professional baseball player, which I felt in my heart, I had the ability and, and squandered it. Well, if I'm a professional strength coach and I'm around them, that, that appeases my pride, you know? And then, um, so I, I just had my, my alignment was off. And, and when I got strong in my faith, it shifted. And, you know, like you said, JP, sports are idolized. And, and there's some athletes that have a platform to do some really good things. And there's a lot of them that don't. And so it became less about, me and more about others when I found Christ, you know, to, to serve others, you know, and, um, I'm not perfect, you know, but, uh, so like when I, when I think about making an impact, what greater impact could it be with, with that next generation of kids, you know, and, and, and help mold them. Cause to be honest, JP, when people get into their twenties, into their thirties, they have so many bad habits. It's not, it's, it's not a death sentence. It's not like they can't change, but even working with, I mean, I ran a boot camp here recently um, with a bunch of adults and it is the most frustrating thing for me for, to work with adults when, um, Hey, how's Livia doing, bud? She good. You still buy her? Okay. Keep is, it up. Is Brooksy babysitting? Yeah. He's reading books to her right now. Oh, that's awesome. I'm almost done, bud. Yep. Just be patient. Thank you. Um, so where was I? Uh, Working that boot camp with adults. Yeah. And so the whole, the whole pandemic hits. And, and you know what? They might see this, but I'm just going to be real. Um, they know I love them. They know I'm hard on them. But when that pandemic hit, I, I, I kind of laid it out for them. I'm like, look, here's what's about to happen. You don't have accountability. I was your accountability. I was feeding you a fish every day. If you're familiar with the story in the Bible about, um, you know, you can, or you've heard the, the saying, you feed a, feed a man a fish or you teach him how to fish. I want to teach people how to fish when it comes to their health and fitness. So they are empowered to do it by themselves. And that's how I coach. That's how my, my boot camp went. It was very educational, although I ran the workouts. And as soon as that thing hit, I'm like, okay, everyone, you're in my online program. You're going to be doing these workouts. You're going to come get an in-body assessment done. And you're going to do that monthly. So you can come back and, and have some accountability for at least maintaining because if you don't do these things, I promise you, you're going to backslide into bad, bad habits. And in three months, you'll lose all progress and probably be worse off than when you began with me. Well, guess what happened? Everyone would cancel their in-body assessments because they didn't want to face the music. And they just got sedentary and made bad habits. Not, not all of them, but most of them. And, and for me, it makes me not want to do it again. You know, um, I would rather work with very moldable kids that don't have all these, they got some bad habits. Some of them we call, you know, a lot of these kids are gaming fools. So we make fun of them a lot. Oh, I, I hate <laughs> video games, Brandon. We call them. I hate them. Yeah. My son's I looking see, at me right now and I hate them. I do too. I do too. 
and it's lighthearted and how I joke with them. Cause you know, you, you got to approach it that way. I mean, you don't want to hate you cause then they don't trust you and then they don't want to learn from you. But so we jokingly give them a hard time, but we see cod back. <laughs> what? Yeah, cod back. What's yeah. cod back? So call of duty, right? Big video game. So they call it cod call of duty. That's the acronym. They call it cod. And these kids, they can't move. They're kyphotic, which, you know, they got poor posture and they can't move. And it's because they play video games all day. Their hips, they can't move. And, and, and I've asked so many kids this question and, and, I, and I've gained some, I've developed some rapport with them. So I asked them these questions I'm like, how, just tell me honestly, I'm not going to judge you. So how many hours would you say you play of video games every day? It is common three to four. I've heard eight to 10. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I'm telling you, man, it's a different world today than the way we grew up. We had video games, but we didn't have, there wasn't masters of manipulation formulating the video games like they do today. They Mm -hmm. hire the greatest engineers that know it's doing something to a kid's mind. The same thing drugs do. I tell my kids all this all the time. And I'm, I'm guilty of letting my kids play games, you know, because I'm working a new career and I just can't have them on me. We live in Phoenix, so it's hot. My wife's like, what else are they going to do? I'm like, well, we got to figure out something else out because we can't just be, well, what else are we going to do? And just let them do that. I believe it's, it, it's going to be a demise. We see the results of, and, and we're seeing some results of it now in some areas mm-hmm. in America of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure how we got on that trail other than with working with kids. And, um, so we, cause you were mad at, cause you were mad at those uh, adults on the boot camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd rather work with well, moldable, teachable kids. Yeah. And, and that was just, that's just one of their bad habits. But, um, so, and, but they're so moldable and impressionable. And I, I feel like you can make such a, a bigger difference with them. And not that I'll never work with adults again, but that's just me being real with people. And, um, but these kids, like we're already getting emails from parents. Like, what are you doing with my kid? Like he's, he doesn't want to play as much video games. He, he has a better attitude. He's actually eating fruit instead of just packaged food and stuff all the time. And, um, and he's just a better kid all around. And I'm like, Awesome. I mean, that's just music to our ears. So, um, it's no secret that the older we get, the more, the deeper and tighter our brain is wired to do what we've always done. And I, 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 I see this, you see this, you're in the fitness industry in, in a bigger capacity than I am, but I see because of social media, I see all these people that come out and they're going to do this new challenge and they're going to, I'm up at 4 a.m. and oh, I can't believe it. And they're showing muscle pictures and they're flexing every single day. And three months later, do I see them anymore? No. And then two years later or a year later, they're back on another program. This is the greatest program I've ever seen before. Here it's going to go. There is, I call it stubborn discipline when it comes to fitness. Now I am a flawed individual, but I've got the fitness part worked out. A lot of other areas I got to get worked out. That's one I have worked out that I've been stubborn discipline no matter what. I'm, I'm not feeling 100% today. I've worked out hard all week. 
I didn't go into the gym this morning. I went out and I still got four round workout in and it was a butt kicking work. It was a great workout and I'll get a second one in tonight. That's just the way I do it because I got stubborn discipline. When I lay there, I'm like, I just don't feel like working. I'm like, but I gotta, it's just what I gotta do. But if, if you can't bring that stubborn discipline to your life and you only get excited when a new program comes out, you just don't, you don't develop the consistency to turn it into a lifestyle. If working mm-hmm. out doesn't become a lifestyle, you're going to struggle with it. You're going to be up and down. It's going to be a roller coaster. When I was working, when I first got out of college, I was a steam fitter. <clears throat> and we worked. I got lucky. I worked in lacrosse, and I worked with this, this crew, and the foreman worked 6 to 2.30. That was my job, and I made great money, 6 to 2.30, every 6 a.m. to 2.30. So I'd get done, and I'd have these guys ask me all the time, like, so what do you do when you leave at 2.30? Like, what's the rest of your day look like? I was 21, 22 years old, single. You know, so they and they were all married and, you know, older in their 40s, 50s. They're probably learning, like, what, what does this guy do? I said, well, I go home, I eat something, I might take a quick nap, and then I go work out. You know what they always would say? Well, if you feel the need, you got energy to go work out, then you didn't work hard enough at, at the job every single day. And I'm always like, that's totally different. I could have the most butt-kicking eight-hour workout hauling pipe around all day long. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat a little something. I'm going to take a quick 10-minute power nap. And I'm going to work out at the gym because it became a lifestyle to me very early on in my life. And so I think what you're doing with kids right now is so important, more important than what fitness clubs are doing with adults because you're setting, you're hardwiring their brain to realize fitness is important. Like we, Mm. some people won't agree with this, but I'm hard on my kids when it comes to working out. I mean, I say some things sometimes that, other parents would probably not say, I mean, as far as, and I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not a mean person, you know that, but I'll talk about obesity. I'll talk about flabby belly and what the girls are looking like. I have a daughter. Um, and I got little, I got sons and talk about the things, Hey, here's what's going to happen to you. You can get away with eating that right now and not working out, but you can at 35. Look at all the 35 and 40 year olds right now. The vast majority. Why do we have 75% overweight rate? Uh, type 2 diabetes running rampant in America because everybody thought, well, I was 16. I could eat pizza every day and not necessarily work out. I just go run track and I was fit. Well, guess what happens at 30, 35, 40, 45. Now you look up and you're 40 pounds overweight. Your joints hurt because you don't mobilize them. Everything hurts. You go to the gym for one, you know, one week and you're so sore you never do it again. Now you're on 10 different medications and our healthcare system's crumbling and they blame everybody in government for it. (laughs) Right. Hardwired. It's that was on a soapbox rant right there. Well, it's <laughs> it's it's accurate. I mean, um, if people would just do the mirror test, a lot of the pro- a lot of our world's problems could be solved by looking at the stinking mirror. Amen. And look, getting to our knees and looking for Jesus. I mean, I'll tell you. Yeah. Right. For sure. I, I think in our world, and I'm a little off on topic, but I love talking to you about this because you your life. I got to watch your life change. And I didn't know you before Christ as much. I mean, just a little bit, but I got to watch the, I got to witness the, boy, that's a, that's a, I haven't cried in a while, Brandon, you know? Oh, I mean, is this the, is this the inaugural JP cry? It could be. Golly. <laughs> <Let's do> it. <laughs> I got to witness the transformation at an event of yeah. you accepting Christ, really. And yeah. it's just, look down that aisle and sit there and see you just get just broken 
Like, and not broken in a bad way. Oh, my tears are running down my face. What is this salty discharge? Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe the pe- listeners don't know I'm very emotional, but I got to witness that and then see you become the man that you are today over these last 10, 11 years, or whatever it's been, and just the lives that you touch, the boldness that you have for for Jesus, I mean, the tattoo of Jesus and your old work, work shed, the, you're always having a picture of Jesus in the background, always doing the Lord's work. But I think in America today, we face, of course, we face some racism. Of course, we face uh, di- different things. I mean, why? Because there's evil. Because we live in a world of good and evil. And we have, if, if there's one thing that we need to uh, make happen is we need to go back and have a huge country reset and stop allowing evil to enter into every area of our lives. I mean, from pornography to the alcohol to racism to everything that goes against what the good Lord teaches. And it doesn't mean we're judgmental. It just means, hey, we live the way that God teaches us to live as best we can. And then we get on our knees and profess our our, our sins before him and ask for forgiveness every day because that, but that's what we're facing is, is good and evil right now. And we need more good, like what you're doing all over the place. Cause you're not just teaching kids how to work out. You're also sharing Jesus with them. I know that maybe it's just in the yeah. way that you live your life and maybe not always with words, but in your actions you do and you do it. Awesome. I appreciate that, man. Um, and yeah, I don't know if, if we keep down that trail, that might be all we talk about. Um, if if people can't at least study the life of Christ and fall in love with who he was and agree that if we lived that way, like he did, these problems would go away. They would. Um, it's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that because he's got eternity attached to him um, when you believe in him and accept them and ask for forgiveness. But um, at a very common sense level, just, just read the new Testament and read how relevant it is to our times and get, get a life application Bible. If you don't quite understand everything and just read it and just watch your mind transform. And hopefully your heart isn't calloused and hard and let it soften. And if that's, what's happening, you're on the right path, you know. Hey, um, you know that that um, documentary, The Chosen, or the oh where, yeah. So <clears throat> I want to because this will go to hunting. I mean, let me spin it back to a little bit of archery here, real quick. And so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so my archery people, you know, so our outdoor people aren't like, oh, what is this soapbox? I, I encourage you just to continue <laughs> listen here for a minute. So yeah. my wife started to watch The Chosen, and it's an app based on the life of Jesus. And and they they say it; it's not one hundred percent biblically. They're not following every story in the Bible, but it's it's here's what got me. My wife was laying in bed every night and she was watching it. And I typically read every night and I'll go on spurts where I'll read every night and then I'll, I'll watch something on an iPad for a couple nights and then I'll go back to reading. Well, somebody had told me about the born and raised YouTube channel. They were really good hunters. And so I was one night I didn't want to read and I'm like, oh, I'm going to just see what the born and raised is. Well, they had this 10 episode YouTube of they drew an elk tag in Arizona. And so I thought I would watch it. I'm like, oh, let me watch these guys and watch them elk hunt in Arizona. So I'm watching it. And every night Angie'd get done. She'd be like, you have got to watch the chosen. I cry every episode. And I'm like, I will. I just got a couple more episodes of this, uh, hunting elk hunting thing. Quick. I, when I get over it, I'll get to the chosen. Well, 
I'm sitting eating lunch one day, eating my big salad, and you had posted on Facebook the three-minute ad for The Chosen, and it, it was one of the last episodes where Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. It freaking rocked me at, the, at my table. And I looked at my wife, I'm like, I got to watch The Chosen. She goes, oh, sure, you'll listen to Brandon, but you won't <laughs> listen to me. And I'm like, well, third-party credibility. I started watching it, and here's what, I, here's what that did to me <clears throat> from a Christianity standpoint. We'll never, under, I, I love my kids. I love them. I love my little dog. You know, I love to go hunting. I mean, but let's just talk about kids. I love my kids. But I will never experience love the way I'm going to experience it when I get to meet Jesus face to face. And in that chosen, it was depicted better than anything I'd ever had seen, whether it was the woman at the well, it was some of the disciples when they'd meet him and they were talking to him. And, you know, Jesus was funny and he was, he was human. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we always have him up on this. He's just this robot. And we read the biblical stories and he's just this robot going to towns. Well, they depicted him as a funny guy. He would joke and he would laugh. But then that like, the lady at the well got up next to him and she's like, well, if you knew me, you know, you wouldn't be talking to me. And he goes, I know everything about you. And all of a sudden you see her look at him and she realizes she, in her spirit, she just met God mm-hmm. and she melts. Every single time I think about that, I melt and think we have no clue. We can read about it and as we still don't have a clue what it's going to be like when we get to meet our maker face to face, the love that he has for every single human, good and evil. Mm -hmm. Even if they're evil, he still loves them. And I just don't believe people believe that. I think they believe that I've done so many bad things that God couldn't, if there's a God, they could never love me. And he's just sitting there saying, oh gosh, you just have no idea how much I love you. I made you in my image. And then I think, you know, probably even more people, this is what really frightens me is they're like Nicodemus in, I forget what episode it was, where they maybe were raised in the church. Maybe they went to Bible school, um, you know, I mean, Sunday school. Maybe they grew up Catholic, Lutheran, whatever denomination, but they've never actually accepted Christ. Maybe they got baptized as a kid, and and that's what they're hanging their hat on. Um, Like Nicodemus, where he gets so close to following Christ, and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't leave his former life. And when he's just, you could just see the pain and anguish that he's just in that moment. Like that, that, that's what fuels me to continue on to be bold. And, and it encourages me to have, I mean, these, these are tough conversations to bring up sometimes. Like, oh man, people are going to think I'm a weirdo. But, um, I think there's even more people like that, JP, that are just on the cusp that are scared to commit to the greatest thing they could ever commit to. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was incredible because Nicodemus, when he was at that table with Jesus, he melted before him when he realized he was the Lord. I mean, melted like wax. And then he hit around the corner and Jesus was waiting for him. You saw that Jesus Mm -hmm. was like, anybody else coming? And Nicodemus is around the corner broken. That ripped my heart out because you're exactly right. And we say it's hard conversation. Now, let me, let me time out. Let me, let me put time out, rewind the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Morris time out. Yeah. Um, the fit archer is also about being spiritually fit. 
And I said that in my first episode. So if somebody's getting off track, like, what are they talking so much about this? Because this is more <laughs> important to me than any fitness. This is more important to me than any hunt I've ever been on. This is more important to me than, than my own family. And that mm-hmm. somebody's going to have a hard time understanding that. But if we don't put mm-hmm. Jesus number one in our life, a lot of things go wrong. And even when we do put him number one in our life, life is not without trial. Right. I want you to talk about that. Um, you're an incredible writer. You have a book that's coming out. You're an incredible writer. I, I know you know you're a good writer, but I don't think you know how good of a writer you are. Um, every time I read one of your posts, Lessons from Livia, um, phew, here I go again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably follow suit. <laughs> <laughs> but even in our pursuit of Jesus, life doesn't come without challenges or setbacks doesn't mean you give your life to jesus and all right all my world's problems are going to go away he never says that he just says take heart i've overcome the world you know put my take my yoke upon you it's it's light so talk about the challenges you have had to face um even in the midst of that and how you guys have you've lived so good in the midst of it so kudos to you well um that's that's the grace of God. I mean, that's, that's what you have access to when, when you believe, um, it's a gift that's, and, uh, you know, when, when people wonder how in the world, how, you know, like I, I did my best to communicate that in the book, um, special strength lessons from Livia. That's the That's the title of the book. In fact, I haven't officially launched it, but it is available. You can buy it on Amazon. So um, I'll probably do a Facebook live or something later today with Livia. Um, but so, I mean, the trials of, of many kinds, right? There's trials of many kinds. Uh, you know, that business we built together, JP, got ripped away from us with, by no doing of ourselves. Um, that was tough. And our income got stripped from us, you know. So from a, a financial standpoint, was, that, was, that was tough. Um, but before that even happened, and, and a big reason uh, and a further pr- purpose for having built that business was was my daughter, Livia, because she has she has special needs. She's a, got a very rare form of epilepsy called KCNQ2, and it, it just leaves her very, in the world's eyes, delayed cognitively, um, motor, motor control-wise. She can't walk. She can't talk. In other words, she can't hold her head up. Um, she can't communicate. So, but she does. Okay. That's just through the world's eyes. That's, that's what people will see. And, um, if, if it wasn't for my faith in, in Christ and that lens and perspective and heart position, this would be very tough. It is tough, but not in the, it's very difficult to explain because it's, it's, it's miraculous. And, and miraculous things are hard to explain, um, but I but I've done my best to explain the the lessons and perspectives that Livia and and God have been showing me in this book. Um, and it, what's incredible is there's 20 lessons in this book, and none of them have been spoken to me by Livia. They've been shown to me. They've been cooed to me, um, and they've rocked me. They've brought me to my knees. They've shown me my shortcomings. They've, um, and it, 
so that trial in my life is, is been the greatest blessing though. You know, like people need to understand that trials are opportunities for growth and there's, there's something to be learned. There's a reason. And um, I believe the Lord, what a gift she is for me, um, for us, for our family. You know, I think a lot of people would go on the outside looking in would think, man, that must be tough, you know, to have to be the parent of a special needs child. And I just, it's the opposite. It's, it's the most rewarding thing you could ever do. And most hard things in life are, you know? So like I look at my daughter and I don't, I see an angel. I see perfection. I see, I see, um, I see what Jesus sees. And, and if I had this conversation with Becky Allen the other day, I feel like she, I feel like us as humans are so flawed and so messed up. And I look at Livia and she doesn't, she doesn't carry any of that. You know, she's got, yeah, she's got some physical stuff, some cognitive stuff, but which I really don't think she lacks. I think she's very, very smart. She just communicates differently. She moves differently, but she isn't, she isn't battle with this sin and this, these disgusting thoughts and stuff that we battle daily as, as, as regular folk. Um, so it's really, it's been fascinating to be her dad and uh, to learn from her and Christ. And so I don't know how else to explain it, JP. That's what the book's about. And, um, you know, Amazon's interesting. I published through Amazon. I haven't even received my copy and I got people showing me copies of the book that they got. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I sure hope that it, you know, I've had it edited and everything, but I ordered some author copies like two weeks ago and I haven't received them yet. And now people are ordering it and they, they got the book before I do. And I'm like, I wish you would have made it known. I would have had a copy here for this. Well, I, I am going to, I wanted to get my cop, my own copies before I started promoting it. Cause I wanted to make any corrections. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so you might have two books out before, uh, you know, most people, you know, before every, you just might have two books out cause you might have a second edition real quick right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So that's why I, I really, um, that's how I wanted it to go, but it didn't go that way. Then I was, Jenny and I were texting back and forth because she's out of town. Um, one of her dear friends passed away of breast cancer. And uh, so she's like, oh, I'm bummed that you didn't, we didn't get the book before other people are getting it. And I'm like, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of lame. But I said, Jenny, we live it every day. They get to read about it, but we get to live it. Yeah. She's like, that's pretty good. I'm like, well, well, I'll yeah, hang up when we get when we get done with this. I'll be I'll be getting a book, and I hope every single listener goes to Amazon and buys the book. I'm telling you, um, got to read a couple excerpts from excerpts from it, and and you've just shared a lot of stuff over the years through social media, and I know it'll be a life a game changer, an absolute game changer in every single person's life that reads it. So. Um, you can count on us on, we'll, we'll be promoting it heavy because I know it, it's, uh, it's going to do its work. So 
I love you for that, man. Let's talk real quick, and then I know you got to get going. You got Brooksy, your your eight year olds babysitting Livia and Brady. Is Brady where's Brady? Brady's with Jenny. Oh, okay. So otherwise, this would have got cut off long ago if Brady was around. <laughs> so you got <laughs> you got uh, well built humans. You've got no athlete left behind. I want you to talk about things you got, and then I just want to talk about a couple fitness type things. And then uh, sure. I want you to be able to share how people can find you, follow you, get involved in, in all that you're doing. So what, what all kind of platforms you got going? So well-built humans. I mean, that's, if you can see my hat there, um, that's, that's my brand, if you will. And uh, just it, it, um, it's an offshoot of a lot of different things, but it's all about kind of my, my, my passions in life. So um, kettlebells and kettlebell training is, is an aspect of it. In fact, I'm, I'm close to having some kettlebells made and, um, some really cool kettlebells being made and, um, nutrition. So there's, there's that aspect, but a lot of things we talked about today, JP, being a good parent, strong in our faith, like that's part of the brand hunting, fishing, it's part of the brand. Um, and now this book, I guess is well-built humans, book number one um so it's it, you know it's interesting that it, we uh, this was birthed out of that other business being kind of stripped away and i always felt like during that journey i was being equipped for something else and i think a just being a good um servant of christ and disciple but also from a, from a business standpoint i feel like I, I was equipped um to go do something of my own, you know, and I didn't know what it was. And well-built humans is, is what sprung from that. And, um, I got so many passions like you, JP, like you got fitness, you got hunting, you got fishing, you got kids. And, and for those of you, JP is humble. He's one of the greatest inspirational guys I've ever met. So he won't ever tell you that. I'll tell you that. Um, in fact, one of the, um, there's some lessons in that book that comes straight from that man right there um, that he's, so he's written about in that book. So, um, so it's, that's my brand, you know, it's all those things. So there's ways to engage. I got, I got people reaching out to me um, that want to start a business and they're like, and, and this guy reached out to me recently. He's like, I have no idea why I'm contacting you other than I really like your content and I think you can help me. And I'm like, well, let's set up a zoom and talk. <laughs> And we just, we just talk and the guy wants to start a wrestling camp, a guy, um, called grappling with God. And I'm like, well, that's, that's awesome. So let's talk about what's your vision. And he's telling me his vision and, and, and he just needed someone to tell him it's okay to go like, dude, go, here's what you need to do. I'll help you with some marketing things, but go. And he's filled up already. He hasn't even started it yet. He's filled up. I'm like, he just needed someone to like, I think, talk to that he thought he could trust similar in faith and, and just give him a couple encouraging words, have some conversations, give him a couple tactics and boom. So that's, you know, that's one. I, I, I booked a speaking. I didn't book a speaking gig. Someone reached out to me. Someone threw my name in the hat to be a keynote speaker at a, a college when everything kicks back in August. I got, I got a, email. Hey, you got selected to be our keynote speaker for like 500, 600 college kids. And I'm like, okay. Uh, 
in, in the topics overcoming adversity. I'm like that oh. I can do. So I'm like, okay, so you I know guess where I'm, that comes from. You know where that comes from. You said something that I, I do not want to miss sharing with people. That guy that started the wrestling camp grappling with God, he said, I like your content. Social media is the devil's playground, but we can win. You can use it for good. You use it for good all the time. You're always talking fitness. You're always talking well-built humans. You're always talking about being a better human in some capacity. And guess what that does? That's that's a light in a dark world. I mean, obviously, the, the biggest divide in our country is right now that we've probably ever seen, even going back in the past. Even at the Civil War, I think we're probably more divided than we were in the Civil War. And I think yeah. social media has almost everything to do with it. I really yeah. do. So kudos to you for living it out. And I'd encourage everybody, be a light on it. I posted something. I see some of my old posts when I was getting political. And they pop up in time hop. And I have to do a face palm plant like Mm -hmm. palm plant on my face like what was i even trying to accomplish yeah i mean yeah i you know i'm glad you brought that up i I mean i I read a devotional years ago maybe you've heard me tell this before but i know everyone else hasn't heard this so it was tony dungy's tony dungy the football coach the african-american football coach um who i i think he's amazing and he's got some great stuff out there and there's just this one year uncommon challenge and it's a 365 day devotional. And I, I did his one year uncommon challenge. And one of the days was social media. He said almost exact words you just said right there, JP, it's social media is here to stay. It's only going to get bigger, but it's dark. It's evil. And what are we called to do? We're called to be light. So you can avoid it. You cannot take participate in it. And that's fine if you don't. I mean, there's plenty of ways to be a light in a dark world. But that's just one of the places that I took that as a challenge from Tony Dungy to be a light in a dark place. And ever since then, I've tried to be a light. And I'm telling you, if you are, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody. If you, if you are, if you, if you choose to be a light in that place consistently through time, is she? Okay, I'll be done. I'll be done, bud. Thank you. Thank you. Just talk with her, okay? Oh, yeah, she's hungry. She's yelling at me. Is she, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, Finish yeah. up and then we'll uh, wrap up. Okay. Okay. Uh, and people will reach out to you. I've, I've had so many conversations about Christ with not, not completely random people, but very, you know, mere acquaintances that from long ago reach out and go, Hey man, I just, you know, you can tell they're searching. And you get to have a conversation with them um, and to, 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 to business conversations, to all these different things, because you're a light. People want to be around it. They don't, they might not necessarily always say those things, but they want it. Yeah. They want, they want what you have access to if, you're, if you choose to be a light in that, in that place. Um, so if we all collectively did that, man, what a difference we can what a, make. What a difference. You're doing it, man. You're making a difference. How can everybody follow you? Where can they find all your platforms? You can find me on Facebook. Just search well-built humans. You'll find it on Facebook. Same thing with Instagram. It's well-built humans. And uh, follow me on those things. I would love, you know, to, to aim to be a light in your life too. Um, and hopefully uh, we didn't get to talk much hunting and fishing, 
We'll, but, do, a, we'll do a part two. But you well, know, that's probably a good thing because I, I am a great average outdoorsman. <laughs> I, I'm a pretty good fisherman. Um, you know, I know how to catch most fish, although I'm not an expert probably at any of them. Um, I need to become a better bow hunter. My, my friend JP is the model consistency and he gives me a hard time in a, in a brotherly fashion. Well, where I need here's to what we'll, we'll do. We'll do part two when we're in Colorado in a couple of weeks, we're going to be our, our families. Yeah. And I can't wait. Let's do it because normally we're together already this year and we haven't gotten to. And so our families are meeting in Colorado. We'll do part two. We'll bring the podcast. Yeah. We'll do part two. We'll talk hunting. Um, awesome. I'm excited for you for so many reasons. I'm excited to see you cause I haven't seen you in a while. Um, Likewise, man. I'm excited for your kettlebells to make it. If I've already been telling people, reach out to Brandon Rue. I think he's going to, and I yeah. don't even know if he got kettlebells yet, but not think, yet, but soon, hopefully <laughs> he's going to have his own brand of kettlebells made in the USA. I mean, that's incredible, but lacrosse, Wisconsin, lacrosse, Wisconsin, uh, home of champions, Brandon. I know you got to get to go feed Livia and Brooksy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love you, man. I really do. I appreciate you jumping on and just sharing. And you are the epitome of the fit archer. You spiritually fit. You're physically fit. And you are an archer. You're an outdoorsman. So you fit the mold very, very well. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I can't wait for part two. We always have a lot of fun when we get together. And we'll yeah, get we on and we'll tell some good, uh, <laughs> good fun hunting stories and all that kind of stuff and, and do a part two. So, man, I so love you. Th- love you too. Thanks for having me, man. All right. God bless you, buddy. Take care. God bless you.